looking back at the best of Saturday racing from around the country and examining the major talking points of the day, this is Pass the Post, brought to you by Archer Park Racing, taking racing ownership to the next level. Good morning, everyone. It's Sunday, November 7, Pass the Post. We really are past the post in a way, all the... The big gun racing is just about over. We're winding down now in the spring in Sydney and Melbourne, but we uh, we went out in spectacular fashion at Flemington yesterday, seeing Nature Strip and Zaki, and we'll be talking a lot about them. And, of course, good racing at Rose Hill, Sajada winning the Golden Gift, and we had a good meeting here at Eagle Farm. Ben Dorries, what's this race called? Bridge to Brisbane? Yeah, it's, it's, oh, it's, man, it's, yeah, it's no good. I, it took me four hours to get into the studio. And as I said to you off-air... Some a wise man said to me ten years ago, "These runners, right? So, potentially, if you run all the time, you could add another six months or a year to your life. Mm. You might live another six months or a year longer. But when you think about it, you spend that year running. So, what's the point? I don't even get into that in that arena. But I left at six o'clock this morning, you know, knowing that I'd have to leave early, and still only got in here at ten to nine. But anyway, <laughs> it, it is what it is. Now, before we go any further, we did have a big day on Tuesday, Cup Day. I've got the past the post report card from last Sunday Uh-oh. on our selections and our investments. Now, you tipped incentivised to beat Very Elegant, so you got the Cornello. Did you make anything on, have anything on Very Elegant? Uh, yeah, something each way. It would have, to be honest, it would have been a better result for me the other way around, but uh, I took it. I went incentivised Spanish Mission Very Elegant, so I got the box trifecta, but I certainly didn't back the winner, Gerard Daffy. Incentivised Spanish Mission, Charlie Rose Pondus. No, very elegant. Nothing from that big fella. Not surprising, of course. Now, <laughs> we we did give you a list of numbers as long as your arm, as far as the trifecta and the first four was concerned. Someone said to me when we came off here, but you didn't say how much it will cost. I actually forgot that. I'm sorry about that. Anyway, the bottom line was this. If you took our trifecta combination the way we, we said to take it, it would have cost you $364. That's not, you know, and you can take it for, for, for flexi amounts. It paid $380. <laughs> so we made a $16 profit. The first four was a little more expensive. You had to be cashed up. The first four for a dollar was 4368 The dividend, 4787 Oh, look at us. We're, we're flying. <laughs> so, so modest profits. That's the word today. Modest profits were made. You didn't lose. You couldn't, even if you only took it for, for, for $5, you couldn't have lost. <laughs> Something for the battlers out there. What about, um, she was awesome, wasn't she? I mean, we, we've seen this mere season after season, group ones, group ones, but she was in another zone on Tuesday, taking everything into account. Yeah, and you know what? It's easy in hindsight, isn't it? But I think she started $18. Mm. Uh, Wowee. And that was, I guess, just because the track wasn't wet. Uh, she had the big weight and she had the wide gate. Um, but wowee, she was good. And the James McDonald uh, element to the story, and since he's now gone on to create history by, you know, uh, usurping Brett Pebble, his childhood hero for the most wins in Melbourne Cup week. But even without that, um, it was just a magnificent story surrounding James McDonald. The emotion just dripped from his his mm. voice, didn't it? You could tell what it meant. We've got all these rich races everywhere, which have their place in the calendar, but there is only one Melbourne Cup. And, you know, I think I likened it uh, in something I wrote to, um, you know, it's a bit like a champion AFL play if they finish their career without a flag or, you know, a cricketer if they, you know, if they finish their career without winning an Ashes. They don't feel quite complete. Mm. James McDonald's now complete, whatever happens for the rest of his career. Yeah, and he's got a long career ahead of him as well. 
she she was spectacular. I I think you know so many eyes were on instead of eyes. We watched him all the way. We knew when he got to the front, it wasn't going to be easy because as soon as he took control, he was under pressure, and then it wasn't like we had to wait too long. She just came along and gave him a cold, but without any disrespect to him and. And the margin was was ever widening. One thing, though, about that race, and this is another thing that has to be taken into account, with the winner, that was the fifth fastest Melbourne Cup. The race was run at a strong tempo from start to finish. And in recent years, sometimes we haven't seen that. We've seen very slowly run cups. I think that adds merit to incentivises run because I was watching the the, the furlong by furlong. Now, in the first part of the race, they were running elevens, which is you know, re- often what well, is very unusual for Melbourne Cup, a two-mile race. He was the one doing the work to get up there. Then he got the breather. Then he had to try and lift again. So he was outstanding, and um, you know, we look forward to seeing him next year. But on the day, uh, in the end, she was she was in another zone. Yeah, absolutely. I'd uh, back up what you said with incentivise. I mean, he was, let's face it, um, six wide for quite a while early on, did get in. Uh, I thought he was very brave. It looked like at one point to me he could have dropped out and finished sort of fourth, fifth, but he was very brave to hang on for second. Well, look, one thing I would say, David, I don't want to be the fun police here at all, but there were only two European-trained um, or currently European-trained horses in that Melbourne Cup, uh, Spanish Mission and Twilight Payment, uh, due to the crackdown on, on the vet rules, the vet protocols. And look, the first four in the Melbourne Cup were, were magnificent. But gee whiz, they came in like Brown's cows after that. And that had something to do with the, the brutal pace of the race, mm. as you talked about. But there was 14 horses that didn't get within 17 lengths of the cup winner. And there was another sort of crop of four or five that could beat in a long way as well. So look, no taking away from the top two, no taking away from the top four. But uh, I thought outside of that, uh, the quality when you look back through the field just wasn't there. And I think they've probably got to have a bit of a look at these vet protocols. Yes, they did their job because there was no deaths or serious injuries in the Melbourne Cup. Uh, but if there's a way, uh, we don't need this race loaded with internationals, mm. but if there's a way to get maybe a few more high-quality internationals back this year. I thought Spanish Mission was exceptional considering he was meant to run in the Caulfield Cup as a, as a warm-up. He never never ran in that race because he missed a plane flight. Uh, he was terrific. Uh, but I just thought the quality outside the first four was a bit debatable, to be honest. I was watching Greg Carpenter on Offsiders last Sunday on the ABC and the question was put to him and it was rather a, a, a pointed question saying, you know, these rules, I mean, this is what you've ended up with. Uh, what are you going to do about it? And he did say that he said that the, the rules will be under revision. Not saying necessarily saying they were changing, but there will be a revision or a, a looking back at the rules as they were. But you make a good point. That was Tuesday. We've got a lot to get through this morning. So let's go to Flemington for the, the last day of their, their carnival. And uh, it is uh, an outstanding carnival. It always is just steeped in tradition. Let's go to the first of our features, the Group 1 McKinnon. Zaki, of course, missed the Cox Plate. This was the consolation prize, hopefully for his connections. And he was a well back favourite, $2.25. They come around the turn at the 500 metres. McDonald hasn't moved yet. Zaki kick clear. Two links. Three links, Holmesman. Then Dallasan Mawunga. Back behind them, Cascadian. Colette Hungry Heart to the outside. But now Zaki lets rip. And at the 250, he's four in front of Cascadian. Then Mawunga and Holmesman. Zaki the leader at the 100 metres. He's well clear. He's two and a half, Cascadian. Zaki holding on. Zaki. 
Jackie won the McKinnon, won it by a late Cascadian. Third, Mawooga, and they were followed by K.O. Nautique. And next, Private Eye, Superstorm, Hungry Heart, Holmesman, Collette. At the tail of the field, Dallasan, James McDonald, take a bow. Ten wins over Cup Week. Yes, and a great piece of theatre. I, th- I thought the second piece of theatre, I'll talk about the first one a bit later, but the, the Brett Preble and, and James McDonald embrace past the post, that's that's great stuff to see. Yeah, and that dated back to when Brett Preble won the Melbourne Cup on Green Moon in 2012, and James McDonald ran second on Fiorante, and they had an embrace after that. And, of course, uh, James McDonald grew up in New Zealand really idolising Brett Preble. So... Mm. They're the um, they're the moments you, you sort of remember in sport, aren't they? It was a bit like when you know and Andy Flintoff consoled Brett Lee, you know, in that famous Ashes series. They're, they're just wonderful moments in sport, and we'll see the video of that played for years. And of course, the best moments in anything are unscripted, and uh, it was just natural. It was it was exuberance. It was great to watch. It was great to watch Zaki. Uh, as I said yesterday on our previews, um, we were looking at him in a different frame yesterday because. He'd been awesome here during our winter. And then, of course, uh, he was considered past the post in the Cox Plate. He had that defeat in the Caulfield Stakes. Then he missed the Cox Plate. So we went into yesterday probably not with the same confidence. Maybe some did. Maybe the real true believers did. But I think a lot were a little circumspect. I think even Annabelle Nation probably was as well. Yeah, I mean, the bottom line is he hadn't run for a month before yesterday and got beaten the last time he ran and, and then had that setback on Cox Plate morning. So, look... Uh, I've had a bit to do with Annabelle Leishman in the last couple of months. I've, I've penned a column, uh, her column, uh, for news limited sort of um, you know papers and, and websites, and I get the feeling this would have been the group one of relief. Uh, mm. uh, you know, as much as you know excitement, elation, I think just just relief. I mean, the Cox Plate was this horse's grand final the whole way through. That went amiss. I mean, if he'd have run poorly yesterday, uh, gee whiz, it would have been a you know, pr- pretty uh, pretty poor end of the the sort of campaign and the story of Zaki. But I think um, it was a story of uh, relief and again, bit of a thumbs up to the winner carnival up here. You know, the winners from uh, I mean, clearly Zaki's a you know a Group One you know, champion's probably a too strong a word. But I mean, even um, yeah, yesterday there were several winners uh, around Australia coming from that winner carnival. So it's a, it's a great fillip. Uh, for our carnival, that these good horses are able to come up here and then go down and do the business. You raise a point there that uh, I was actually going to bring up. We describe Very Elegant, I think, as a champion there, and, and certainly if you didn't think that, you would have to think that now after Tuesday. Nature Strip will come to him shortly as a champion sprinter. What do we describe Zaki as? Because he's, I don't think he's a champion either. But he's but he's better than a very very good horse. So he must fit in that little zone of the middle. Well, it's all in the eyes of the beholder, isn't it? Really, I, I mean the word champion. I mean, how how do you quantify a champion? Yeah, oh, I tend to agree with you. I think Mizaki um, probably needs to reproduce it maybe in the in the, in the autumn or, or next spring. Uh, but he's a very very darn good horse. And James McDonald just took that race by the scruff of the neck, didn't he? I've got a question to pose to you, David Fowler. Would Zaki have won the Cox Plate on what you saw yesterday? Um, I think it well could have. I'm not saying, I couldn't say with any degree of certainty that it would have won the Cox Plate, but it would have been very, very hard to beat. And I really do think that 2,000 metres is his sweet spot. I think when it gets a bit after that, it gets a little harder for Zaki. And I think we saw that in the Q22 where he won, but he wasn't dominant like the Doom and Cup, which of course was 2,000 metres in the 
The Q22 was 2200. The other thing, we've discussed two horses or spoken about two horses this morning, very elegant and Zaki. The events of the of the last week all go well for the autumn, don't they? Both going to the, the championships, you would think, of the Queen Elizabeth, Zaki, V versus V versus V. The very <laughs> yeah, and let's throw incentivise into that mix um, for the autumn as well somewhere, uh, because gee whiz, it was a relief, wasn't it, to find out everything was okay mm. with him? Because there was a couple of days there where we sort of held our breath because the first set of scans uh, that he had, I think there was the uh, feb to swellings at the time, so they didn't quite give a full indication, and there were a few little murmurs that. Well, gee whiz, everything might not quite be right here. But when the second set of scans came back, uh, and everything was fine, and the horse is basically just battle weary, he's just, he just, he's just tired. You know, he's, he'll, he'll, he'll be fine after a decent spell. So, uh, yeah, there's some poster horses to to put on our wall for the autumn uh, next year for sure. And from the race point of view, uh, they had their chance. Uh, Zaki was able to control it. McDonald rode it with purpose early to make sure he got to the lead and dictated the race, dictated the terms. They had their chance in the straight. Cascadian was making ground, but that's sort of Cascadian, isn't it? He's always doing something like that. And uh, Mawaga, Annabelle Nisham, running third. So that was the McKinnon Stakes. Let's go to the other group one. This is the Darley Sprint Classic. Nature Strip was expected to win. He was at $1.28. 400 metres to go. Nature Strip all coiled up, led by three quarters of a length to September Run and they dash clear from Bella Nipatina. Here's the moment. Nature Strip now given his head at the 200 metres and he blasts away. Three length September Run. Bella Nipatina swats that and it's all Nature Strip who explodes away. He's going to do it again. Conquers another mountain. His second daily classic one at two and a half swats that. Photo third. Bella Nipatina or September Run and then Ranch and Shaquiro, well back in the field, Splintech Streets of Avalon and Samazdat was last. So winning as expected, uh, champion sprinter and uh, Rod Lyons, his part owner, joins us kindly on Past the Post this morning. Did you enjoy that yesterday? I'm sure you did. Oh, look, it was magnificent. It was uh, pretty pain-free. Um, the pain's here this morning, but it's pretty pain-free watching the race. And Rod, the the this this horse never used to probably have a handbrake, but he's got that nice. You know, he didn't try and you know uh, race these horses at the start, did he? He was just in his own little minding his own business in his own little world and beautifully relaxed right from the start. Absolutely, absolutely. I think that's that's the key to him now. Um, if something wants to go crazy, he'll let them just sit off them. Um, if nothing wants to leave, he can he can bowl, and he's got. Such a high cruising speed that watching the race yesterday, I was looking at the, the clock, watching the clock on the big screen, and he went 10, 10, 10, and he just had them all off the bit. But it, they just can't keep up with him. And when he gets a couple of those early sectionals and he can put his foot down late, he's really just about unbeatable. And Rod, the, the, I'd describe it as the evolution of Nature Strip. Uh, I think it's been a fascinating side story. We go back. A season or two ago, he had his detractors, he had his doubters, and sometimes with, with, uh, with you know conviction. But gee, uh, I think, and here is here is now a seven-year-old rising eight, in the best form of his career. And you know, who's to say what what will keep going on? I mean, you know, this 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 story doesn't have to end, does it? No, not not at all. And I think that uh, you're right. Uh, early doors, he. He just had. He just, if a horse came near, he, he just wanted to race them. He just, he wouldn't relax. And uh, 
the work that Chris and the team have done, and including Stewie Williams who rides him in work all the time, it's just to teach him that, hey, yeah, it's a race, but you can relax and sit off and then use your speed when you need to. You need to do it. And early doors, all he wanted to do was just, you know, just jump and run, and uh, went far too quickly. He was one of those six brilliant sectionals, but for the first 800 metres instead of the last 800 metres, so he, he has matured, he has learned, and I think uh, Chris and the team have done a fabulous job with him. He's, he's got. A couple of real good seasons left in front of him for sure. Now, Rod, you know I love you like a brother. Is there a uh, seat for me on the plane to England to, uh, to to Royal Ascot? Have you got something for me? Yeah, you're probably down the back. You know, <laughs> we'll, we'll be turning left. You won't have to turn right, all right? <laughs> That's terrific. <laughs> talk about jumping on bandwagons. Oh, gee. <laughs> no, but in all seriousness, Rod, he, uh, assuming, you know, uh, COVID, the, the whole COVID world, the landscape, imp- you know, gets, uh, you know, under control or more under control by then and everything is right with this horse, you'd love to take him to Royal Ascot, wouldn't you? Oh, absolutely. And um, Patrick Harrison, Peter Keane, the two Kiwi boys who've got a Major sharing him like I have. They love the party and they're fantastic guys. And it's amazing. Um, they've taught me a fair bit about watching a race and and enjoying the wins and putting up with the losses. And they they love a party, so they'll be the first blokes on the plane. And we, we would love to go. And hopefully, if he comes back in the autumn and and, and recapture that form, we'll get over there and. Win, lose or draw, it'll be just one hell of a time. Your your comments about going to, to Royal Ascot have created a lot of conversation over the last 24, 48 hours. I think that's a good thing. I think I think we need these sort of conversations and to keep racing relevant and talking about the, the champion horses, the champion jockeys. Uh, some say, go for it. There's another school of thought, interestingly. They say, oh, less surprise money, nothing to prove. Why would you want to go there? But as far as I can see... It's your horse. Do what you bloody want with it. Well, I appreciate that, and and you're right. And even some of the syndicate are, think, are thinking the same way. It's a long way to go. He's got to stand on the plane for 40 hours. He he has some issues with travel and what have you. Um, and you go all the way over there, and you might be good enough, and you might get beaten. But that's what I'm trying to say. The majority of the group, it's the experience. It's it's if we lose, we lose. If if we we don't perform, and we're not good enough. So be it. But we'll have a damn good time finding out. Rod, I um, I know you've seen a lot of James McDonald, obviously riding your horse and other horses. It was a magic moment there yesterday for him on a couple of fronts. So I, I sort of wrote today. I think he deserves now to at least be in the conversation when we're talking about Australia's most gifted sports people. Would you sort of back that up? And can you give us oh. any little insights into what makes him tick? Well, he is so dedicated. He's he's such a hard worker. You look at our best footballers, the rugby players, the union or league, Aussie rules, tennis players. It's those guys who are prepared to go that extra extra step um, from a business point of view. Exactly the same. The people who are prepared to put in, and he has got that work ethic and the strong mental capacity capacity to go with it with natural ability. When you put all those together, some people have some of them. He's got all of them. That's what makes him so good. Mm. We were talking before before you joined us about uh, the, the embrace between 
James and, and Brett Preble after Zaki won the McKinnon. There was another piece of theatre there yesterday that maybe not as many people saw, but I, I watched it carefully and I thought it was wonderful. I really soaked it up. He came back, Jay, back on, on Nature Strip and uh, there was Chris Waller waiting to lead the horse back in. Now, this doesn't happen too often and just the the, the silent communication between trainer and jockey for that you know, 30, 60 seconds... You can see they just wanted to hug each other. I think Chris got a bit frightened that he might burst into tears, which he can do on occasions. But it was a wonderful, it was a wonderful bonding between these two fine men uh, after Nature Strip One. I'm sure you probably saw that from your position there at the track. Absolutely, no, they're, they're they're very close, and I think they they have a, a, a deep feel and love for the horse from where he's come from. They've seen him come from, you know, like a a rat bag teenager to a mature a mature uh, young man or mature racehorse and they both played a key part in it mm. and that was a lot and you know Chris to come down for yesterday the only day he came down for the whole carnival I think that says a fair bit too and uh, he, he, he was quite emotional I keep on telling him I said listen don't half pie choke let me know when you're going to cry <laughs> so I so I can back you. I'll say there'll be tears today so I can uh, get some money on him. But uh, <laughs> no, he's an emotional guy and he loves the horse and, and I think him and James have got a, a great relationship for sure. From an owner's point of view, isn't it delightful that when a, a chapter closes, the spring of 2021 closes and closes in the way it did yesterday. So you must feel very satisfied. And as we said at the outset, still plenty to come. Always appreciate your time on, on this program, Rod. Uh, and once again, great work yesterday. It's my pleasure. Thank you very much indeed. Rod Lyons joining us. Always very generous with his time, particularly with this radio station. And, yeah, he's a, he's a happy man this morning. Probably yeah. a happy man with a hangover, but that's all right. Absolutely. I've got an interesting history with Rod, actually. I used to pot his horse a bit. He didn't really yes. like it all that much. We had a, we caught up in, uh, where was it? I think I was on the trek to the Everest in Sydney, that, um, the Sky Show, and he was on as well. And um, it was very friendly. And then we got to the, the Qantas Club afterwards and had a few gin and tonics or something. He, Give it to me a bit. So, but no, he's a very, very good man and very passionate. Look, one thing I would say, um, and I'm going to sound like the fun police a little bit again here. I know what you're going to say. Uh, well, I just think that um, in the wake, we're, we're doing spring carnival reviews. I'm not sure what the answer is here, but take Nature Strip out, and, and that wasn't a Group One race. And oh, it was, exactly. you say the same about the Manicato. Jonka won the Manicato, obviously. Mm. Uh, good luck to Jonka. But obviously with the Everest, and I'm the biggest fan in, in the world of the Everest, I've got no problem with it, but but it is effectively destroying the, the Melbourne feature sprints, isn't it? So if Nature Strip wasn't there yesterday, gee whiz, that would have been an ordinary race. Yeah, look, I, I think it's um, an interesting situation. I think the Manicato is more um, solvable, that it can be moved. We've discussed this previously here on, on other programs on Press Room. Uh, this race, I think is part and parcel of, of Flemington's week. Uh, but you're 100% right, you're 1,000% right, that take Nature Strip out, it's probably one of the worst versions of the race. And you know, that's not being disrespectful to any horse. Or, you know, if you're in there, you're in there. But not only the Everest, but it's that follow-up race that, like this year, was the classic legend that Mask Crusader stayed, Gitra stayed. So I think well, three or four lost and running stayed. Uh, this was the, Eduardo stayed. Uh, this was the alternative. They preferred to stay there because the money was good. <laughs> 
And let's face it, I mean, um, Australia doesn't have a crop of 20 elite group one sprinters, do we? There's a very small crop. The problem is in talking about this, I'm not sure what the answer is. Um, no. As I, I, I said, I think Manicato is solvable. You could probably move the Manicato, yeah, I but, guess. But this one, um, this one may well always be a victim uh, of, of Sydney's success. Yeah. Uh, just uh, on that, that time breakdown, which, I, you know, it was like from a standing start, uh, they ran the first 200 metres in 13.89. Then they went 11.16, 10.75, 10.63, 10.74. So sub-11 for 600 metres and then home in 11.83. And I might add easing up in the last few uh, strides of the race. So overall time was 1.878. But like very elegant, like Zaki, we look forward to seeing Nature Strip in the autumn. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, gee whiz, I thought the quaddie paid well at uh, Flemington yesterday. You, you stood out, everyone would have stood out Nature Strip. Everyone surely, maybe not standing out Zaki, but they would have had Zaki. They paid $380 or something. So, Did you re- have it? No, of course I didn't. But I reckon uh, just about everyone else would have. I mean, put it this way, if you didn't stand Nature Strip one out, you, you just, that's it, kidding, are you? I like taking quaddies over the, the Flemington week, but um, I balked yesterday because I said, well, it's not going to pay anything. Actually, so. paid okay, I thought. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Let's, let's have a listen to a few other highlights from Flemington yesterday, and we'll go to the, the Matriarch for the Mayors, race five for the Tab, and uh, another uh, Winter Carnival uh, victor was successful here. Here's the replay. 4.50 out, it's ecumenical, brought to the middle of the track from Leilud as they queue up, Vanagirl and Bonvicini over on the far side, our intrigue is getting through, Zaydani up on the fence, Godelin and Starrell down the outside from Nimali, plenty of hopes here as they reach the 200, it's our intrigue with Zaydani, Bonvicini, then Vanagirl and Starrell late, our intrigue and Zaydani, our intrigue and Zaydani, stride for stride, Zaydani just in front of you one. Zaydani from our intrigue, Starrell third, I'd say, from Bonvicini, Nimali and Vanagirl. It was a terrific race. Then came Ecumenical, Godeline from Leilud, Mimi's Award, Barbie's Fox. Well back, Charm Star, Princess Jenny and Maha Shakti, one of the last. Yes, Zaydani, of course, won the inaugural gold crown up here during our winter carnival at Eagle Farm. It was over 2,100. Had the break. That was her fourth run back yesterday and... Uh, she was successful at uh, $9 in from 10 and an on-top tip from Mark Hunter yesterday too on Select Racing. And, of course, the youngest generation of Hayes uh, in the trading partnership here. Yeah, well, I guess this uh, represents the emergence of the, the latest generation of Lindsay Park or the latest um, renaissance of Lindsay Park, doesn't it? Um, and the, these young brothers, Ben and J.D. Hayes, they have been under a bit of pressure, you know. I mean, with uh, their famous dad leaving for Hong Kong, obviously a lot of the good horses now to go to Hong Kong uh, they have had, Lindsay Park have had quite a few horses leave their books going to other trainers in the last uh, few months, but potentially trainers, uh, sorry, potentially owners that thought, well, you know what, David Hayes isn't there, Tom Dabbing isn't there, we're still paying top dollar uh, at Lindsay Park, we might try another trainer. So they've had that to contend with. Uh, so I sense that would have been a very, very big moment in their sort of um, yeah, relatively young training career, especially for JD Hayes, who, who's new on the books there. Vanna Girl, the Queensland rep, ran a solid fifth, um, was over near the inside. I, I was going to say that might have been the best part of the track, but then later in the day we, we saw uh, some horses come up near the inside. In fact, Zaydani did come up near the inside as well, but I thought she boxed away well. What they Where they go now, I'm not certain. That was only her third run this time in, so um, we may see her back here for the summer, but um, I thought she was... Uh, more than respectable. Yeah, I thought she was fair. Um, terrific winning ride, I thought, from Luke Nolan on Zaydani. Uh, obviously, they were looking to get off the fence, and uh, he stuck close to the inside, and it proved a uh, decisive move. 
We mentioned the Darley Sprint uh, suffered a little bit from uh, a class point of view, being a Group 1. Well, I suppose the Queen Elizabeth also suffered in numbers. Only six went to the post. Uh, but it was a good betting race. And in the end, the favourite was warning of $3.40. Up around the turn at the 500 metres, the leader is warning, and the field of six steadily work off the fence. It leads by a length to sound into the clear. Then Wentwood presenting. He's a shocker, drops away. Dr. Drill down the outside, and Luna Flair is tacked on. 300 to go. Warning about to be joined by sound. Wentwood makes a line of three, and the race is on. A length, Dr. Drill. 200 to go. Warning finds reserves. Wentwood chases hard. Sound lifting the middle, then Dr. Drill still warning. 100 metres to go. Still a length in front of Sound Wentwood and Warning punched out by Rowilla wins the Queen Elizabeth. Warning from Sound Wentwood, Dr. Drill. A gap lunar flare and last of the six was he's a shocker. It was one of these races uh, where no one knew in the morning who the leader might be because Dr. Drill looked the leader. They said they didn't want to lead with it. So Warning, in a very unusual role as pacemaker, but he adapted to it well and... Uh, He's had a very profitable spring. He won the St. Ledger at, uh, at the Royal Ramwick and he's won the Queen Elizabeth yesterday. Yeah, absolutely. It's funny when you, you listen to uh, a trainer being interviewed immediately pre-race, very rarely does the race sort of, uh, the instructions and the race work out exactly as they sort of say it will. But I listened to uh, Sam Friedman only a minute before the race and he said, look, we've just told Nashville Willer to wake this horse up early. We just, you know, we need warning to know that he's in a race and just get him going early. We want him to be very prominent. And sure enough, you could see Willer shaking him up, waking him up. Uh, went to the lead, was challenged late and was obviously was just a superior stay. It was too strong. So I'd suggest going from uh, what the camp said pre-race, we'll see him, he's a Magic Minions horse, we'll see him on the Gold Coast in January. Yeah, maybe the 2,400-metre race. Yeah. Uh, and he was another horse who wintered here in Queensland. We'll just claim every good oh. horse in Australia. I mean, Nature Street ran in Queensland at one point. <laughs> I think he did. He did. Yeah. He won, uh, warning, won the, the chairman's quality. So he was, of course, he's a derby winner. He lost his way a little bit, but he's, he certainly hit his straps now. And speaking about carnivals, our Playboy won the first race. Bolted to the Sunshine Coast Kiddies. I actually backed our Playboy. Yes, that was my only winner of the day. And uh, Thank look, God you've backed a winner. Yeah, something for the battlers. I see Mick Price says he's uh, he's looking at backing up next week in the Cranbourne uh, Cup. I'll tell you what, there's a fascinating little side story to that horse. When he ran on the Sunshine Coast, um, Mick Price uh, told me that... Uh, he went to Google Maps because he wasn't actually up here at the point. He'd gone, he'd gone back to Victoria. He looked up Google Maps to try and work out all the contours and whatever of the, the, the Sunny Coast track. I mean, I can't remember. I think it might have been Jim Burney wrote him, was it? I'm not sure. But Robbie Fradd. Robbie Fradd. He had faith in the rider, but he, he spent about 20 minutes on Google Maps looking at the Sunshine Coast track. So that was something I'd never heard before. Amazing. Our last replay from Flemington is the Group 3 Chatham Stakes Race 7. <laughs> More Varda at the 400 and Age of Chivalry. Crosshaven next and then be good to your mother. Just a canter in the red jacket runs on and Cinewan down the middle. Age of Chivalry in front at the 200 metres is it vulnerable. Led three quarters Crosshaven. Now High Stranger just a canter running on to Cinewan next. Age of Chivalry trying to grip on. Crosshaven is chiseling away. Age of Chivalry brave. Crosshaven's going to have one go. They hit it. Age of Chivalry just kept fighting and won it from Crosshaven and just a canter. Rani Air was next in company with High Stranger and Cinewan. Then came Shalo. Be good to your mother, Morvadarak, Edema's Vacillator. Dice roll last. Bit of synergy with you here, Age of Chivalry. 797 days since it won a race. What are you suggesting? Well, 700. Is that the last time I backed since... a winner? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, the other one always tells me, so I'm just telling you back. But uh, a horse who probably the, the win strike rate could be a little better before yesterday. Four from 22, now five from 23, but. 
for Elton and Zara, who are soon to split. Is that right? Or... Yeah, this was a, a, a nice win, considering they are going their, their separate ways. There hasn't been a volcanic falling out. They're still good mates, but they've just I think they're just going in. They see the business going in different directions. Uh, so this is probably one of their last uh, winners together. I think this horse has had sort of some foot issues. Uh, he feels a sort of firmer tracks. I think he's only had three or four runs in the last year. So... Um, yeah, good to see him back in the winner's circle. I couldn't have had him yesterday, but good luck to them. That was Flemington. This is past the post. Thanks for your company this morning. Still plenty to come, but we'll take a break first and then come back and concentrate on Rose Hill Gardens. This is past the post, brought to you by Archer Park Racing, taking racing ownership to the next level. Yes, they were celebrating on Melbourne Cup Day, the Archer Park team. Two winners of the Gold Coast. Smooth move, absolutely romped home. Watch for him to come to the city and... Coat of Arms was successful as well. And you can find out about all of the horses, what they're doing, what's for sale, what's not for sale, how much you can buy in for uh, on archerparkracing.com.au. Archerparkracing.com.au. They present past the post each Sunday morning. Okay, Rose Hill Gardens yesterday, the Million Dollar Golden Gift was the feature, race seven for the two-year-olds. And it was a strong betting race. Here's the replay. Cannonball speeding in the lead by two and a half on Mount Brilliant. Snitcat pushing through. Then came Ohi from Contemporary. Bird on a wing, Charlatan. Further back then to Sajardin getting to the outside. Nobel between runners. Cannonball at the 300 metres. Two lengths in front of Snitcat, then Mount Brilliant. Charlatan's making good ground towards the inside. And Sajardin's winding up on the outside. It's Cannonball two lengths clear from Sajardin the outside. Charlatan through the middle. But Sajardin on the outside. Charlatan through the middle. Sajardin went home best to win the Golden Gift. Sajardin beat Charlatan. And a third, Ohio, I'd say, in front of Cannonball. Then came Snitcat from Contemporary. Shervo late from Nobel. Mount Brilliant weakened out. And Bird on a wing. Sajardin's successful. was a little easy in the market and probably understandably had the wide gate and got back and ran on to the Breeders' Plate to win at its only other start. It had the, the wide gate yesterday and again got back but produced a great finish. Gary Portelli's joining us now. Gary, thanks for your time. Congratulations on yesterday. Yeah, thanks very much. Yeah, it was an absolute thrill. Everyone who thinks uh, they've got an opinion about uh, form in Sydney says 1,100 metres at Rose Hill, it's very difficult to come from uh, at the back of the bus. Well, this is what this horse did yesterday. So he's sort of defied a rule, hasn't he? Oh, he did. Um... You know, it's the last place you want to be around the Rose Hill circuit, as you said, um, back and then having to come wide. It's just, you just don't see horses come from the back, have to circle them and then catch them on the line. Um, for some reason, I just don't know what it is, but that's just, everyone knows if you make a long run at Rose Hill, you usually don't get there. And so for us before the race, that was our biggest worry. I, I, I sort of was hoping that we had the best horse in the race, but he had to prove that and do more than that. He, he showed he's above average. So. Um, it was a massive run. He looks like he really, really wants to win, doesn't he, Gary? And that's not necessarily something you can automatically teach a two-year-old, I'm assuming. That's right, because most of the time he gets beat at track work. You know, he's 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 been beaten plenty of times at his gallops, and particularly by Snitcat, she was sort of sharper than him. As you saw in the run, she was she's probably sharper, but he's a stronger horse, and um, that's what counts, isn't it? You know, it's the, the last furlong, not the first one. And, um, but yeah, he just knows, and he's got this beautiful length of stride. And if you watch him as he goes past horses, it looks like they're going faster than him with their action. But he just he just got this loping action that's got power behind it. He uses his hind quarter well, and uh, he's got a great shoulder. And he's able to cover the ground better, and um, you know he's got a big motor. Obviously, got a good uh, good uh, good motor and 
plenty of uh, plenty of ticker. He he drew the outside gate yesterday. And he drew fairly widely in the Breeders' Plate. If he came up with a good alley, is he a horse who's got the natural speed to race handier? Look, it's sort of like when, I think when they when horses find this pattern, you're better off to stick with it mm. and just you know, in particular, I think when in good races, you, you're almost guaranteed speed nine times out of ten. So so at some point. There might be a race where he has to posse up due to a good gait and the lack of speed, but he's got such a big turn of foot and he can make a long run now that, you know, you probably just have to be where he's comfortable and and hope you just get a, a, an unimpeded run from the 600 onwards. She was Gary, owners of these sort of two-year-olds uh, racing in Sydney, um, like, like um, your fella, would have uh, dollar signs in their eyes, wouldn't they? I mean, this was a $1 million race. The Golden Slipper prize money has been increased to, to $5 million, uh, during the week, and there's bonuses as well. And, and then you've got a race like the English Millennium, which I'm assuming potentially this this um, this guy could come back in. Exactly. That's what we're at this stage aiming at. So, you know, um, prize money's through the roof in New South Wales at the moment. It's, it's, it's a good place to be, and... Uh, if in particular, if you've got a good horse, um, I'm I'm trying to push that there might be some speed a bit lower grade where most horses actually only win their their maid. It'd be nice to get that made and a little bit uh, the prize money increased at some point. But for us, we're lucky enough to have one good enough to race in these big ones, and um, you know the dollar signs are there as well because he's a, he's a colt, and um, you know if he went on to win one of the majors, then um, you know the studs will be lining up for him. Yeah, exactly right. So uh, we pull up stumps after yesterday. He'll be in the paddock. Tomorrow, yep, he's all booked to go out, and uh, we'll work out um, what date we need him back in work, so we can have him ready for more than likely the, the millennium, and um, we can then hopefully have him peaking um, for the for the big one, the slipper. And the way he races, I've got no doubt that he'll get seven furlongs and maybe even out to the mile. So he could be a horse that might go for the triple crown, but uh, you know, I think that. Um, it was hard even when we won the slipper with Shield Rain. Everyone was pushing me to run her in the size. But, um, you know, I think if you, if you if you get to the peak, you're better off to stop. But um, we'll just let him tell us. We get, we're going to get to the, the slipper first. But um, certainly the way he races, he, it gives you an, the indication that he could be better over a little further. And that might be where he comes, um, you know, stronger again at, at three in the, in the spring carnival at three. Yeah. I think it's worth expanding on this point too. I think this is the real feature of this this horse and the, the story of this horse is that, you know, most good two-year-olds, particularly early season, we see them as being speed types on pace and, and you say, you say, oh, will, will they get a strong 1,200 of the slipper? Hell, this is a horse who's not saying it's unique, but he's sort of out of the mould. He, he's got this booming finish, so... <laughs> You're in a very, very uh, comfortable position at the moment, you'd think. Exactly. You know, we're only talking about the other day that most breeders' plate winners have been horses racing up on the speed, leading and kicking away in the straight and being the fastest horse in the race, where this bloke's had to do it tough both times. And, and you know, these big races, as you know, they, they're speed on. There's, there's usually a, a tough run race and you're looking for that horse that's going to join in. So he's always showing that's the way to ride him. So, you know, the world's his oyster. Yeah, something different for for our listeners on a Sunday morning, Gary. Uh, horses aren't the only thing you race, obviously. You've got your racing pigeons. Give us a bit of an update on them. Have you, uh, yeah. you still <laughs> well, got COVID. a fair, fair flock? Yeah, well, we didn't get any chance to race them this year with COVID over here. And, of course, obviously we weren't um, with racing pigeons. We've got a club. We've got to go to the club. We, put, we take the birds to the club and they go into a semi-trailer and off they go to... Races from 100 kilometres one week to maybe a fortnight later, go to 200 kilometres. And by the time we finish the season, which is usually the long weekend in October, we're out to about 1,000 kilometres from home and they fly all the way home. 
And, um, you know, we, we obviously race them, and, and that's been something that my father and I and now my son's getting into it as well. Uh, we do um, as a family, and, and Dad sits back and watches the pigeons come home while I'm at Rose Hill or Ramwick watching horses come home. Um, and, um, yeah, so the season of racing pigeons has been... Um, Put on hold this year, but we're uh, we're ready again for next year. We start usually in the, the winter months, so May through to October. You can't, you can't bet on them, can you? Is, it, is there a betting market on on, on races, or because this is something like David and I can yeah. involved in? <laughs> Unofficially, <laughs> I, bet you can find, I bet you can find a bookie somewhere. What well, I'm surprised the tab hasn't got involved actually, yeah. but uh, <laughs> because you can't actually uh, monitor the sport and um, follow them with a the camera, you can pull uh, one up pretty quick. Get, yeah, well, the Falcons usually do that, unfortunately. But, but just just on that, uh, is there prize money involved? Oh yeah, yeah. There's, yeah. there's uh, good prize money. Basically, if you send twenty five birds to a race, um, it costs you per bird to, to go. And we what we have is a pool. So you pick out one of your twenty five, and there might be ten guys or fifteen guys in the club that put fifty or a hundred dollars down and pick their the bird they think that's going to be their first bird home. And uh, there might be a couple of thousand dollars there on the table if um, if um, you win and you pick the right bird. Mate, congratulations for yesterday. One more question. Uh, are we going to see Space Boy again soon up here? Um, I think um, I think uh, we're going to have one more run. We're going to go around on Gong Day at, uh, at um, Kembla. Mm-hmm. And um, that'll, that'll see him out till next next year. He's a wet tracker. And I think um, whilst he can run placings on these good tracks, he, he's... He's very hard to run down when the track's heavy, so we're waiting for next year's wet season. At this point, probably not for now. Okay, mate. Good on you. Thanks for your time this morning. Anytime. Thanks very much. Gary Portelli joining us, the trainer of Sajardin, and uh, a colt who, you know, as I said, is is in a very good position. A horse who can can fly home. Uh, you don't see that too often with good two-year-olds. I mean. You do with some, but not early in the season. Yeah, and it must be nice at this point already being, I mean, in the Golden Slipper, we're in early November, basically, so he can just uh, plot his path, do whatever he wants. And, um, yeah, I love the story of the pigeons. I remember him telling me just quickly a couple of years ago, he, had, he let, they let a thousand pigeons go one day at Bendigo, and there was a storm, a bad storm, and only nine of them came back. Only nine out of a thousand, so I don't yeah. know what happened to the rest of them, but anyway. Jeff Collison, uh, uh, great greyhound rider, um, he used to raise pigeons, and so did, so did Ray Fewings, um, race caller in South Australia, who's only recently uh, uh, put the binoculars away. But um, it's a pretty, um, it's a big business. We'll have, a talk to, we'll have to have a talk to the tab about this. I've got to get involved somehow. Exactly. Jared Daffy's our man there, I'd say. Well, he'll have some tips somewhere. <laughs> okay, let's go to the hot Danish, the other feature. Group two for the mares. Here's the, here's the replay. Fashionel turns narrowly in front now to Electric Girl, Tricky Gal, then Madame Rouge. Wonderbar back to the inside and Rock O'Clock coming off heels, nudge to the outside. They're right across the track now and Electric Girl hits a narrow lead from Madame Rouge. Tricky Gal's one pace. Rock O'Clock needs to lift up the inside as Wonderbar. Electric Girl, Madame Rouge, Rock O'Clock. But Electric Girl's kicking strongly and Electric Girl won the hot Danish. A half length on the way to Rock O'Clock. Madame Rouge third and Tricky Gal, Wonderbar. Fashionel Yamazaki next, followed by Spiranak, the nudge, and a long last was Polly Gray. Electric girl, jumped well, allowed a horse to roll in front of it, had a good run. Jay Ford gave her every chance, and she was strongest at the, the finish for Team Hawks. Yeah, I love seeing Jay Ford winning races. We all remember him from those takeover target days, and he's still getting good chances in town. And I think the wash-up of this race um, was a lot about... 
um, you know, the training team honouring the mem- memory of Electric Girls late owner breeder Ross Williams, who passed away in August. So there was a bit of a mm. uh, celebratory, but also sombre note um, to the aftermath of this race. The other feature, was, well, well, call it a feature if you like, but a horse at 100 to 1, one race five, tab one. You don't often see horses on a Saturday at number one saddlecloth at 100 to 1 win, but Real Time Warrior certainly did for Laura Lafferty and Ginny Hardy. Yeah, great moment for Laura Lafferty, who's come down from uh, Victoria. I think I remember reading a few months ago that uh, only a few years ago she was basically like a a poster girl almost for the Warrnambool sort of carnival. Well, not a poster girl, but she did a lot of promotional work for them and, and you know, uh, harboured ambitions to be a jockey and she's um, she's making giant strides. OK, that was Rose Hill. Let's turn our attention now to Eagle Farm and the shortest price favourite of the day came up in race two, Go Wanji. Punters weren't afraid to take the short odds on offer. They forced his price in from $1.30 to $1.16. Here's how he went. It's going to be a sprint home. 500 left to Rana. Phantom Court's had a butte run in front. From Extreme Jewel in second. Then Keller Sheldon. Now Go Wanji. Easy to the outside to begin a Rana. And Danesil will follow into the race. Oh, he's travelling very strongly, Go Wanji. He hasn't moved on him, Cassidy, as yet. And he's the leader now. He's going to the front. Danesil setting out sa- sail after him. Then Phantom Court, Extreme Jewel, and Keller Sheldon. It's Go Wanji, though, in front. Danesil trying hard, but trying in vain. And Go Wanji Racing clear, wins as expected. Danesell second, Phantom Court third. Best trifecta you've seen for 100 years. Then came Keller Shelter. I don't want to anything. An extreme jewel last over the line. <laughs> well, it paid $3. I thought that was good odds, actually. Yeah, it sounds like you might have had it. About no, I didn't. I didn't. I told everyone else to back it, and I didn't do it. But don't worry about me. Let's worry about this gentleman on the line, Tom Dougal. You're becoming a regular now. Good morning. How are you? Yeah, good, thanks, David. Ben? Well, uh, yesterday... Uh, you know, we saw a spectacular performance at Doombin, and uh, yesterday I, I, I described it as tradesman-like, and that's what it had to be. There was only four rivals. There wasn't going to be run at a fast speed, so he didn't have to go out and break any records or, or win by a big margin. So, importantly, from your point of view, he came through the race well? Yeah, he's in, he's in terrific order this morning, David, and, and uh, Touchwood, he's a pretty easy horse to look after that way. So, yeah, no, he's in good order this morning. Tom, I'm not going to ask you uh, a question about uh, buyers for this horse because I know you're sick of uh, answering questions and getting phone calls. You just want to race this horse. So, with that in mind, what is the future for this horse? Where, what have you got in mind, and what's what's the what's the strategy going forward? Oh, um, we'll just play everything by ear. Look, look we just like to get a bit of racing under his belt. This preparation, um, he's been lightly raced and he's been very well looked after, and. Um, you know, we'd just like to get a, a bit of racing under his belt this prep to to season him up a little bit and and um, and and give him a spell sometime and 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 hope that that a bit of racing under his belt and a, a spell, you know, hopefully just continues to improve next preparation. But that that's basically the the plan. I know it's I know it's uh, yeah horse trainer speak and whatnot, but. We really only taking it one race at a time. Yeah, let me try and pin you down a bit more. Though. <laughs> now, what I want to ask you is this: and this is a fair comment. Um, he's, his first up run was in August, so we're now into getting towards the middle of November. Would you extend him out to you know some part of the summer carnival in December? Ah, uh, yeah, he could. 
you know, uh, it, it'll just depend. Once he once he puts up a, a red flag that he's had enough, well, of course, you know, we'll pull up any time. But he'll he'll go he'll he'll go as you know into the as far into the summer as 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 he'll let us. Um, because he, you know, he's very lightly raced and and he's he's been meticulously looked after. So I actually think that a bit of a bit of racing is going to stand him in good stead for later on. What does he? I heard your post race yesterday, Tom. You said, look, he's by he's nowhere near the finished product. What does he need uh, to improve to become the finished product? Obviously, he plays up a bit in the barriers and does a few little things wrong. But what would you like to see from him to be, to become that, you know, one hundred percent finished product that you you want to see? Oh, I think he just needs a bit of match practice. To be honest, he he, he was very good at at, at Doombin, um, you know, and he he, he probably his his idiosyncrasies yesterday were probably because he was doing it so easy. Um, Doombin was the first time um, that that you know I was a hundred percent happy with him. Yeah, he never had the best action early on in the piece, and and he's got he's got steadily better with that. Uh, the more racing he's had, and and Adum and his action was pretty damn good, you know, at the finish. Um, and I, I just think he needs a, needs a bit of practice. He's he's been worked very conservatively on the track early in his career, so you know, I, I think that it's just a bit of match practice. Yeah, and while all this was happening in the early part of yesterday afternoon, later in the day. A horse who's sort of being talked about in the same uh, uh, breath as Gowanji is Festival Prince, who, of course, beat you at Warwick. Some might, might say lucky to beat you, but he's also creating a, a good impression. And he went to an easier race. He went to Toowoomba last night, and he got the job done again for Matt Crop. So he's also going really well. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, he, he over, the, over the distance and everything, he beat us fair and square at Warwick, you know. Um, and, and you know he's he's going terrific, and and he's he's shown by local people as well that that have been in the game a long time. So you know it's uh, it's a good story. Was Dad at the races yesterday? Yeah, everyone was at the races, David. Yeah, no, and uh, Dad Dad's sister even drove all the way down from Dalby to to see him at Eagle Farm, and she's eighty. So uh, you know it's uh, it's terrific. Good to hear. Uh, just before you go, um, did you switch that phone off last night? Yeah, I did, David. <laughs> You've got to I do hope it. That, I hope you did. I hope you didn't try and ring me. No, I didn't. <laughs> I, I, and if I was trying to ring you to buy the horse, I'm afraid I wouldn't have the money to be able to do it. But look, uh, and, and look, just one question. I, I, I love this horse. I think everyone knows I do. Um, Fourteen hundred yesterday, and, and covered it off comfortably. As you look to his next start, would you be prepared if, to go to a mile? Oh, yeah, any time. There's not just a mile that fits in just yet. But no. I, I think that, look, if he's going to, you know, step up in grade in the future, that's that's where his future in high grade is going to have to lie. Um, you know, um, and... Uh, He'll he'll step up to a mile sometime if the races fit in, um, and that. But if if he's going to take the next step and 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 in you know mix it in higher grade, it's definitely going to be over a little bit further. That they'll just go too quick for him over the shorter shorter trips in in the higher grade. Yeah, appreciate your time. I tell you one thing, you know you know what I'll see you next. I'll see you on December 11 at Eagle Farm.
try and be there, David. I bet you will. See you. Thank you. Tom Dougal there. December 11th is the gateway, a four-year-old only race, and uh, that seems an ideal race for him. Couldn't get it out of him, though, but I think he did that way. I love him. Oh, he's, isn't he terrific? And uh, oh, I just love the fact that they've kind of uh, got the blinkers on a bit and they've just got a, a you know, good horse and they just want to race the yeah. horse. You know? and, and, and to back that up too, Larry Cassidy in his, his post-race interview yesterday sort of, you know, was sort of saying, Keep the lid on it. This is a very good horse, but work him through his classes, and I think that's a, a, a sensible opinion as well. But when you've got a fourteen hundred metre race at Eagle Farm for four year olds only, that is uh, entry into the Stradbroke in a yeah. month's time, you'd be mad not to have a crack. Gee, I love the way he talks. I reckon he'd be a terrific co-host of this program. Maybe if I take a summer break, David, he can come and join you in the studio. Well, we can. Maybe I can. I take a break. No, probably not. Let's go to race six at Eagle Farm yesterday. Now, we often say, I often bang on about the market getting it right. On this occasion, the market got it wrong. Lingulate went from 270 to 440. Let's see how he went. Up to the turn, 500 left to run. Tears of Love's been putting the acid on Pepe Le Few, a fair way from home and strode about two in front. Prioritises up the third. Ligulate being called upon now. Matawi down the outside with a generous run and the others were struggling. Tears of Love and Pepe Le Few tackled by Ligulate on the outside. Matawi still running on. Ligulate out beyond the centre of the track. Reached a clear lead with 100 metres left to go. Pepe Le Few battling away with Tears of Love. Tokariki land of Matawi, but Ligulate won well. Ligulate first, second Tokariki Land, third I'd say Tears of Love, not sure about fourth, either Matawi or Pepe Le Few, then so you win, prioritise, second last at wit's end and bar none is last over the line. And the pleasure to uh, have a celebrity watch this race with me in the box, Chris Fagan, the uh, the coach of the Lions. Oh wow. Was at the races yesterday, enjoying his day and... Uh, he didn't make Ligulate. <laughs> I suspect not many did. Gee, gee whiz, it was a drift. It was funny. I, was, uh, I wasn't at the races yesterday. I was uh, focused on the Melbourne races, uh, effectively for the Herald Sun in Melbourne. But I, I watched the lead-up to this race, and it was interesting that the pre-record that Bernie and Maxie do for, for Sky Thoroughbred Central, which airs effectively a minute or two before the race. So Bernie said, this horse is $2.80. And, of course, when the betting boards flicked up, it was $4.20, $4.40. They just didn't want to borrow. Yeah, and, and sometimes you just can't work out why. Did it not present well on the yard? I don't know. But, nevertheless, it defied the betting drift. Andrew Mallion rode it well, gave it a, a sweet run, fourth or fifth, tracking the speed, and finished off well. And it looked his race third up at 1,500 metres. And he's uh, now that he's in winning form, he can win again next start for sure and certain. Let's go to the last race of the day. A good benchmark 85 was a good betting race, but putters found the right one, Tycoon Evie. Acrobatic comes into the turn, leading narrowly. Tycoon Evie about to go up and try to show a challenge as they spin for home centre fire. Plenty of room to come between the pair, followed by Ruka in fourth and wonderful Reary. At the head of the others was uh, Tumbler Ridge running on fairly. Then Cruz had already blessed. Tycoon Evie went to Acrobatic. Centre fire presently can't reach them. Ruka's battling away. Acrobatic on the inside. Tycoon Evie the outside. Tycoon Evie and Acrobatic. They're in a good duel. Tycoon Evie went home a little better. Beat home Acrobatic. Third over the line was Ruka. Tumbler Ridge finishing on pleasingly in a photo for fourth with Centrefire. Then wonderful Reary, she's a boss, followed by the head of the others, Genzai, the Wolf, Cruz, Royal Witness, and last over the line, already blessed. And Dr. Wynott finished a mile behind them, Buck, soon after the start. But uh, Taika Devi, uh, quality mare, was good as a three-year-old filly, and um, for Rick Slip and Nick Hunt and a training partnership, 
uh, raced on speed and was too good for them. Yeah, that was their first city winner together as a training partnership. And gee whiz, I find this um, mare fascinating. I remember Rex Lip talking her up to me at one point last winter as an Oaks uh, mm. filly. Um, and clearly she's got a bit of strength about her. She wasn't an Oaks filly, but... Um, yeah, they're, I reckon they're going to have a bit of fun with it going forward. And that, you know, she was pretty strongly backed. I think she was $8 um, on Saturday morning. I could be wrong, but I reckon she was 7 or $8. She certainly, she may not have been a late firmer, but there was better available early in the morning anyway. Uh, she, she was solid in betting in the last 20 minutes. She was 5 down to 3.90, SP'd 4.20. But, yeah, she got to the mile, but that's sort of where it ended. And uh, she didn't stay. Um, I don't think she stayed. Uh, the, 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 the performances show that visually. But interesting to see where they head this campaign with her, what they map out for her. Mark Duplessis had the right. Our last replay from Eagle Farm yesterday is the first race. A sensation when the well-backed favourite bolted, better go lightly, had to be scratched, causing a market reshuffle. By the 400 metres and Goddess of Peace led the way. A length and a half in front of Mashani Mistress being shaken up to come after the leader. Now running on well as Lady Laguna and Mashani Metal putting in down the outside. Goddess of Diva at Big Odds or Goddess of Peace at Big Odds is still the leader. Trying hard Lady Laguna eating into the margin now. Goddess of Peace in front. Lady Laguna draws level, takes the lead and Lady Laguna on debut. Big Goddess of Peace. Third was Mashani Mistress. Mashani Metal fourth and even now. Shotgun Diva Sunito and Slinky Star out towards the tail. So Zaki wasn't the only winner Annabelle Nisham trained yesterday. She prepares Lady Laguna on debut, had a trial at Ramwick, I thought quite a, a respectable trial, and uh, she covered off well over the final stages. Yeah, uh, she doesn't send them up here just for uh, for a holiday, does she, Annabelle no. Nisham? And she still started $5.50 even with the um, the scratching you mentioned, so nice, nice little win going forward. And Ryan Maloney riding, a double for Maloney. He scored on Shamaton earlier. Training double for Tony Gollum with Shamaton and Nikki Spirit. Anything more? Yeah, I've got a little bit of a random mm. stat, a bit of random trivia for you. Yep. 7th of November today, 160 years ago, today, Archer won the first Melbourne Cup. The 7th of November. It was run on a Thursday. There you go. You never thought you'd hear that from me. 160 years ago today, Archer wins the first Melbourne Cup. You Did just... you see it? Were you alive? No. <laughs> Shut up. Archer. You were there, weren't you? Archer Park. Yeah, Archer Park. See, very, we, very... We, we, we can get it in anywhere you like. Very good Even before you. the deadline. <laughs> We're on time. We're on time, producer Dale. Good on you, mate. Hey, uh, thanks, Ben. We'll talk next week. Yeah, no, it was a ripping Melbourne Cup carnival, I thought, and uh, terrific dissecting it with you, and see you tomorrow on Press Room. Press Room tomorrow, that's right. And, and hopefully, folks, I'll have your company on Press Room tomorrow as well. But thanks for your time. Thanks for being with us this morning. Have a good day. Bye-bye.